Hi, and welcome to the Change Wizard podcast. If you have listened to the first podcast, you will have hopefully thought about the issue of change. You may have even agreed with the following ideas, that the only constant in the universe is change, that some changes are within our control and some are not. Some changes are gradual and evolutionary, some are dramatic, traumatic and immediate. The real issue I suggested is how we manage and respond to all of the changes that happen in our lives. We can manage the changes which are part of our defined personal development path. Of course we can. Uh, We need to find ways, however, to deal with the changes that are unexpected, unwanted and imposed upon us. Now, In many ways, the way we respond to change depends upon our mindset. And that's the theme of this podcast. The word mindset has become defined as the established set of attitudes held by an individual. The world-renowned Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck identifies what she calls a fixed and a growth mindset. Her ideas explain why brains and talent may not bring success, in fact how they can actually stand in the way of it, why praising brains and talent doesn't foster self-esteem and accomplishment but can jeopardise them, how teaching a simple idea about the brain improves learning and productivity. Now, people with a fixed mindset believe their basic qualities, like their intelligence or talent, are simply fixed traits. They spend their time documenting their intelligence or talent instead of developing it. They also believe that talent alone creates success. That's talent alone without any effort. But we kind of know that that's wrong. People with a growth mindset are people who believe that their most basic abilities can be developed through dedication and hard work. Brains and talent are just the starting point. It is a view that creates a love of learning and a resilience that is essential for great accomplishments. Dweck suggests that teaching a growth mindset creates motivation and productivity in the worlds of business, education and sports. It enhances relationships. In fact, she goes as far to state that all successful and great people have had a growth mindset. As far as change wizards are concerned, a personal mindset is a collection of beliefs, values and attitudes which define how we deal with challenges and the successes in our lives. In the last podcast, we spoke about the importance of considering how we deal with changes in our lives. So change happens. But do we see it as something to be feared or something to be welcomed, as an opportunity to take another route, or do we start to think that the universe itself is conspiring against us? Consider a journey, one that you have planned to take. Now imagine that roadworks mean that you need to be diverted from your planned route. Okay, this is an inconvenience perhaps, but whether you view it as disastrous or as an opportunity to explore a new road, it's all to do with your mindset. Your mindset directly influences how you perceive and act according to challenges, journeys and changes you are presented with. 
Now, in the same way that thoughts, feelings and behaviours are linked in what's called the cognitive triangle by some therapists, I believe that mindset, actions and perception are intimately connected. So, let's unpick this a little. Starting with beliefs, a key aspect of an individual's mindset. Where do our beliefs come from? Well, beliefs are things that we accept to be true, or perhaps better still, the attitudes that we have when we accept something is true. Think of a belief as a table. Well, to be more exact, a tabletop. The tabletop is the surface upon which we build attitudes and values about what we hold to be true. In this metaphor, then, the legs supporting the table could be considered as the evidence we accept to support that belief. So, some of us as children would have had a belief in Father Christmas. The evidence for that belief? Well, our friends told us about him, our teachers may have colluded in the myth, and certainly the media promoted him, our parents told us about him and encouraged us to write letters to him, and finally, the presents arrived on Christmas morning. There are also some peripheral supporting evidences, like a glass of sherry or something stronger that has been half drunk, the mince pies left out for Santa were eaten, and even Rudolph's carrots had been chewed. My granddad, who had a storyteller's imagination, created snowy footprints on the carpet and sparkly reindeer droppings on the path outside. I'm still trying to work that one out. <laughs> All of these factors drew me firmly into the Santa conspiracy. Did this belief affect my behaviour, my actions? Well, of course it did. My parents would remind me of the naughty and nice list and how Santa could show dislike for my naughty behaviour, often months before Santa Day. Did Santa affect my sleep? Well, of course he did. Did, did this belief affect my perceptions? Well, of course it did. Random sounds on Christmas Eve were interpreted as sleigh bells, Santa's footprints, and even the sound of him squeezing down the chimney. The saying, seeing is believing, is less than accurate in this sense. It's really a case of believing is seeing, and hearing, and feeling, and thinking, and everything else. When the evidence, the table legs of my belief, became too shaky to maintain a belief in Santa, then I moved on. There are so many issues around how this transition happens. For me, I didn't feel lied to, or conned, or manipulated. I saw it for what it was, a magical story which was more about family than it was about presence and commercial exploitation. However, I've spoken to others who have felt betrayed by those they trusted and took this betrayal to heart. The way in which the expose of the truth behind the myth was handled does have a bearing on how we resolved it. However, many of the beliefs or stories we accept to be true may not have any kind of resolution. They may remain at the core of what we hold to be true what we hold to be real, all of which forms the core of our mindset. We've already suggested that beliefs and perceptions are linked, so having a strong belief can result in only seeing what you want to see. In an experiment designed to recreate a Victorian seance, but which was set up so that some of the things would move as if touched by spirits, it was found that those who believed positively hallucinated. That is, they added to the experience and reported more activity than there was. Interestingly, those that were antagonistic to a belief in spirits negatively hallucinated and said nothing happened. Now, the seance was in the dark. The objects that moved had illuminous dots on them so they could be seen by the witnesses and filmed. Both sets of witnesses, when showed the video of the sessions they attended, believed that the video had been edited rather than questioned their perceptions. A third group of witnesses, those we could call open-minded, were able to report what they witnessed, 
which actually reflected what was made to happen. In essence, they had no belief either way, so nothing to defend or support emotionally or cognitively. Our beliefs help us interpret our experience of the world. They form a framework for understanding. So, if I see a strange light in the sky and I believe in alien spacecraft, then that's what the strange light becomes. I may also see more than what is there. The life is seen as being a spacecraft shape. It may have variations in colour and texture. Even little green people waving from the windows. This perception becomes our reality, our truth. If my friend sees the same strange light and they believe in angels, then they may well interpret what they see in angelic terms. Now, I'm not for one minute suggesting that these realities are not possible, but that if we define our world within these frameworks, then they may be the only interpretation we accept. Our brains, after all, are pattern matching devices, and so they will seek to find meaning in every pattern our senses detect. We shape experiences based upon predetermined frameworks. It can take a degree of effort or determination to make interpretations that are novel and not part of our pre-existing expectations of how the world works. To shift perceptual frameworks, we need novel experiences. It could be suggested that an expert in any field may not be the best person to create new solutions to existing problems. To solve problems, we need not only to ask better questions, but different ones. So, back to beliefs. From what has been said before, we can state that some beliefs will be powerful and empowering. Some beliefs will be powerful and disempowering, expanding or limiting. It takes a lot of self-reflection and self-honesty to explore our beliefs. We have held some of them for a very long time. We may never have really questioned the evidence that support our beliefs. We may have resisted this question. We may feel that to do so would shake the very foundations of who we are. We may have engaged in a piece of psychological sleight of mind that is called confirmation bias. Hmm. Let's go back to Greek philosophy for a moment. Uh, they were a smart bunch. They thought of belief as having two components, pistis and doxa. Pistis referred to trust and confidence, and doxa referred to opinion and acceptance. So maybe beliefs are not necessarily truths, but they can be thought of as being a guide or a reason for our actions. Consider that humans have gone to war, committed genocide and other atrocities based upon stories which we call belief. In many ways, what we consider as dogmatism is evidence of a fixed mindset. If we consider truth as being something that, that can evolve, then perhaps we can allow ourselves to be more open and responsive to change. <laughs> now, hold on, I can almost hear you ask. Surely there are self-evident truths, and these self-evident truths are constant. Well, okay, yeah, it was Gandhi, I believe, who suggested that truths are self-evident, and indeed such truths are claimed within the US Declaration of Independence, where we read, all men are created equal, they are endowed with inalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that the governed have the right to overthrow their government if the latter harms those rights. No matter how laudable these aspirations may be, to what degree are they representative of all viewpoints and, perhaps more relevantly, how have they been translated into behaviours? Created equally? This presupposes what could be considered a Judeo-Christian or theistic belief system. The reality that the country that promoted these truths, truths still does not seem to uphold its desire to recognise equality or even inalienable rights seems somewhat paradoxical. 
And I'm not criticising the USA here, but I'm seeking to point out that we all could learn more about walking our talk. People adjust their perception of the truth to justify their behaviours. This is the basic theory of cognitive dissonance. So then, our mindset is the net results of our beliefs, what we hold to be true, our values, and how we've interpreted our experiences within these frameworks. Truth is both a personal and a social construct and may not be true at all. Truth is a kind of consensus or shared reality as well as what we have personally come to understand as what is real. Accepting that a fixed mindset which is informed by our perceptions and drives our actions may not lead to success, how do we start to develop a growth mindset? Well, here are some tips. Think about being dogmatic about not being dogmatic. Accept that truth can be the result of perception or some deep-seated attitude, value or belief and can be open to change or reinterpretation. Learn to look at situations from a range of perspectives and within a range of possible interpretations. The key word in the sentence above was learn. Learning more about yourself, the world and the ideas of others supports you in developing a broader perspective so accepting there are different frameworks that can be used to understand our experiences. See new situations as challenges that can be overcome if you apply different strategies rather than something to be feared. Think about the idea of inertia in episode one. Recognise mistakes as opportunities to learn rather than failings or that you were not good enough, smart enough or thorough enough. Recognise that perfection is not a destination but a journey. Embrace your flaws. Now, we all have flaws, peculiarities and weirdnesses. Our imperfections, like the small black mole on Marilyn Monroe's face, our imperfections make us unique. Uh, by the way, you may like to get a free ebook, Flawsome, by visiting the freebie section on my website, awenicsolutions.com. That's A-W-E-N-E-K solutions.com. More tips? Okay. Pay attention to your words and thoughts. Take limiting thoughts like, I can't do that, and add the magic word, yet. I can't do that, yet, opens you up to the question, what will I need to change in order to be able to do it? Replace negative thoughts with positive ideas and inspirations. Replace judgments with acceptance. Limiting certainties with expanding possibilities. Stop looking for the approval of others. They have their own agenda, their own judgments. Instead, seek to be authentically you in your attitudes and behaviours. Reject the prejudice and judgment of others and explore your own prejudices and judgments. Remember that most people think they are thinking when they're simply rearranging their prejudices. Be open to different opinions and attitudes. Decide who you want to be. When you were growing up, people often asked us what we were going to do when we got older. Such a question often came from the perspective of a career, job or employment. In many ways, this question is a secondary question to that of who do you want to be. So what is your mission, your purpose? Define this for yourself and you set a personal compass and route for your journey through life. Recognise your strengths, celebrate and work with them. But at the same time, identify your weaknesses and explore ways to develop yourself in these areas. Cultivate your skills in emotional management. Explore how you can bounce back from difficult situations and periods in your life. Resilience is like a muscle. 
that can be developed with practice. Some direct practical activities you can start today. Read or listen to podcasts. Feed your mind with other ideas and perspectives. Take time for you. Just be still to stop and smell the roses. Spend time on a hobby or interest. Meditate. Adopt a regular meditation practice. Reflect on what you are doing, where you are going and what you have learned. Journal. Capture your thoughts, inspirations and keep a note of things you are grateful for. Challenge yourself. Do something that you would normally avoid doing. Take the occasional risk. Step out of your comfort zone. Learn one new thing every day. Ask yourself a question about something you have an opinion about or something you know nothing about. Then search for an answer. Learn to say no. It's perfectly okay to say no to something you really don't want to do or to say no to a request from others. Consider the idea that simply saying yes is about your need to be accepted by others and may not be in line with who you are seeking to be. Connect. Find time to connect with others, whether they are friends or people working in an area of your interest. Not only will this allow you to gently explore shared and opposing viewpoints, but friendship networks have a direct influence on your emotional resilience. Positive, supportive and inspirational people in your life really help you bounce back from challenging times. Disconnect from the purveyors of doom and gloom, the energy vampires and emotional drains in your life. This includes not only people, but social media, advertisements, disempowering conspiracy theorists, bigots, despots and pessimists. You may feel that discussing issues, issues with such people could sharpen your own powers of reasoning and communication skills. Well, to a point, this can happen. However, you could be drawn into their fixed mindsets and limited worlds and simply be wasting your time and your emotional energy. There is a psychological idea that we become like the people we associate with, so beware those negative vampiric people and groups. Stand back and watch with interest and notice how such limitations create circular arguments, catastrophic thinking, limiting beliefs and behaviours. With a growth mindset, you can embrace challenges, persist in the face of setbacks, take responsibility for your words and actions, acknowledge that effort is the path towards mastery, and that mastery is more about knowing what you don't know rather than knowing it all. Actively choosing to put the extra effort into building a growth mindset will make your mental processes work for you. This in turn will result in a greater likelihood that you get the results you're looking for and the life you want to live. You may like to visit alanuk.com for a weekly dose of self-development articles and ebooks. That's alanuk.com. You may also like to visit Awenek Solutions, A-W-E-N-E-K solutions.com for a whole host of freebies that you may find there. Have a great week.